Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. I guess this is our first podcast since college football has already started. It's already started now. I mean, we're, we're in the season, even though we're like four yeah, weeks Yeah, it has already started. We are in the season, and um, it's a big positive. I mean, the first play was uh, a 75-yard touchdown. That's pretty badass for college football, right? Yeah, and and a kid from Mobile, Alabama, scored scored the touchdown. I mean, the only uh, uh, you know the only kid on the Austin P football team that I knew of before the game it just happened to be a, a, a local running back, uh, and uh, he, he was the kid C.J. Evans from McGill uh, that uh, scored the uh, the first touchdown of the season, exciting play, and uh, Austin P would lose anyway. Yeah, but that's that's really a good sign. I mean, look, we need anything to cling to right now in 2020. I mean, we really do. And um, that was a, a very good sign and hopefully uh, some kind of harbinger of, of things to come. How about this crazy fact? Central Arkansas, and, and they're not going to beat UAB. I'm not predicting they are. They're, they're not. But Central Arkansas could start 2-0 and before anyone else has ever played a game other than themselves, Austin P and UAB. I mean, they're playing yeah. the next game. That's wow. crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. Um, did you watch the whole game? I'm just curious. I did. I watched every snap, and uh, gosh, it was hard. I was kind of tired. It was really hard for me to stay up those last 10 or 15 minutes, but I, uh, I did it, and I was probably sound asleep nine seconds when the game was over. Well, meanwhile, a lot of things have happened in the world of Alabama football, and we'll cover them all. Uh, first of all, I guess let's start with the scrimmage, and we'll talk about Tim Keenan in a minute. We've sort of gone over Tim Keenan some, uh, but there's been some other recruiting news we'll get to. Uh, in terms of the scrimmage, it sounds as though Mac Jones had a pretty good game. It's, it, it sounds as though it was the ones versus the twos. Um, and there's a bunch of names that you hear about doing really well. Bryce Young did not play. Uh, it has certainly made the rounds now all over the various message boards that it appears uh, Bryce has tested positive for COVID. It, it, I think he's asymptomatic according to everything I've heard and read, but um, it's one of those things where he wasn't able to play in the scrimmage, obviously. And, um, you know, but I heard some good things about Paul Tyson as well. Uh, why don't you just give the best recap you can give without revealing any of your sources, Jimmy? <laughs> only source I can, only source I really have is uh, is, is what what I read on the Twitter. Like everybody else, that that scrimmage was locked up tight. But uh, you know, just from a few things, piecing things together and reading between the lines. Uh, you know, like you said, it, you know, these scrimmages are are always the first team, uh, the first team versus the second team. So it's the first team offense versus the second team defense. The first team defense versus second team offense. So you would expect, and, and I'm sure it played out this way, that the first-team offense would have quite a bit of success playing against a backup defense that, that apparently was also missing some some guys due to COVID tests. I, I don't think Bryce is the only one. I think there's a, a few others. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a makeshift lineup. But when you have makeshift lineups, it really affects the second team. It includes some true freshmen, maybe even a walk-on. So you can't read too much into the production what the coach the end make sure they knew the play they knew what to do uh and and how they did it as opposed to looking at the production you would expect mac to have a pretty good day 
and I believe he did. Uh, conversely, Paul Tyson had the deck stacked against him uh, his first day, really, as the, as the quarterback of the number two offense. And uh, what did he have to do? He had to go up against the first-team defense. So uh, we saw Nick Saban say uh, after practice that uh, learn to play to the speed of the game. That tells me that not unexpected Tyson got a little overwhelmed. Uh, with the speed of things, and that's totally normal for for young quarterbacks who aren't freaks like Tua Tungavaloa, and uh, and and Paul will just improve over time and 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 quicken things up. So, I, I think if I was going to pick out one thing that fascinates me uh, that we pieced together from the scrimmages, apparently Brian Branch is the starting fifth defensive back, the the star playing at star. He's he's apparently out there with the first team alongside. Pat Sertan and, and Josh Job at corner. And uh, that's amazing that you're, you're really talking two weeks into his first camp because he didn't get a spring practice. Two weeks into practicing football, Brian Branch is a starter at Alabama. That that blows me away. And all the other kids who have done things like that in the Saban era have gone on to become things like All-Americans and first-round picks. You know, I think that is a certainly a great point. Um, and it what it also makes me think about is, you know, we can you can look at somebody on a film and it, it, you can say, oh, my God, that that guy's awesome. But if they don't have that special want to uh, the, that desire to get better on their own time, you know, sort of do the things that they need to do when nobody's looking kind of mentality. Um, they they may not make it in the time of coronavirus because it, it appear, apparently Brian Branch was out there doing everything he could possibly do to get better while nobody was looking, while, uh, you know, he, he's, he's really isolated, just like the whole world is isolated right now. So um, as my computer cord falls off the bed. Um, but I think that says a lot about him as a person. And that also leads me to believe he's going to be just a, a pretty special player. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And everything looks good there. I think the only thing I, I, I wouldn't say it's disappointing at all because it's so early, but I think a lot of us projected that maybe of the newcomers at defensive back, that got a pencil into the lineup would be Ronald Williams, the Juco corner. And I mean, let's just be honest, uh, just from buzz and hype alone uh, with, with players arriving on campus, it appears that Brian Branch is sort of beating him out as, as the best of the, of the newcomers, which is, says a lot for Branch beating out a junior college All-American, but you also have to question, man, if Ronald Williams isn't going to be a starter, you know, this fall, it's kind of hard to imagine him being a starter next fall. I mean, really, when you oh, yeah. think about that, that, that you know, that, that young players already moved ahead of him. So that's interesting. Uh, you know, in terms of other, other freshmen making an impact, I didn't hear, you know, too much about, about that, but, you know, the opportunities for these guys are kind of limited. I do think Drew Sanders and Will Anderson are going to be significant players at outside linebacker. And, and my early thinking, and I'm just trying to be conservative here, but my early thinking is uh, I think we'll see them, but they'll primarily be third down players. And it, it's just it's the easiest thing to do, and it's just so much easier to teach freshmen one package or one set of plays as opposed to the entire playbook. So uh, I, I still think we'll see a lot of Will and Drew, but but probably just kind of as third down dime rabbit guys as opposed to down Chris Allen and none other than Ben Davis is holding down that 
that job at the moment. But uh, but we'll see. I, I don't know if you, you want to be a Ben Davis uh, with uh, with Will Anderson breathing down your neck. I, th- I think we have a pretty good idea who long term is, is is the best player of the two. No, I agree. But I think also there isn't an Alabama fan alive who isn't pulling for Ben Davis to make a move this year, just, you know, based off the lineage, based off what we all thought he would be. He's been one of the few recruits to me that um, he didn't live up to the hype immediately based on his being a five-star. And usually when that happens, and if you hadn't done, if you hadn't peed a drop by, you know, late in your sophomore year, everybody sort of just throws you in the trash can. They're like, Oh my God. Even if he does have to play, apparently he's not good. But I feel like the fan base has never really given up on Ben Davis. So, um, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar just is, is improved and it's better than ever. It's even more deliciouser. I mean, that is actually what they wrote and told me to say, and I, I buy it. I'm, I'm with them. It is more deliciouser. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including uh, nut and non-nut flavors. They've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, Lemon almond cheesecake. That's that's my that's my jam right there. And carrot cake. That's my other jam. Uh, apple almond crisp. They've got twelve other original flavors: coconut almond and German chocolate and peanut butter and blah blah blah. Uh, Built Bar is great for the healthy conscious guy. It's also great for people who just like to eat good things. Um, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for keto diet. Um, they, they, it's it's everything. It's everything you want in a chocolate bar. Look, 2020 has sucked. This may have turned the tide for 2020. These Built Bars, they may be what has done it. So I want to thank Built Bar for being a sponsor. And please go check them out at BuiltBar.com. So, Jimmy, um, another guy, I think it would be crazy for us not to bring this up. Will Reichert apparently kicked some ass in this scrimmage. And I think that means something. A couple of long field goals for Will. And, uh, you know, I forget off the top of my head, uh, something we should know, but, you know, his stats before he got hurt, he was something like like four for eight or, or, or something. And we're like, oh, great, another overrated kicker. But two of his misses were doinks. That means, it means he's a collective yeah. foot away from six for eight. I mean, a foot away from six for eight. And he was a true freshman making his first kicks. I'm, 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 put it this way. I'm not going to be surprised that Riker is good. I'm expecting Riker to be good. Now, good doesn't mean perfect. I guess a lot of our fans live in a world where it's like the NFL. If you're not 28 for 30, you get cut, you know, in that league. But uh, college football is not like that at all. And, uh, and these kids have to develop. Kickers develop over time, just like every other position in the game. And um, I, I think Reichert's going to be good. And, uh, and yeah, I think he, he, he dialed a couple from long distance yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, the running back-wise, I'll tell you a name that sort of stood out to me. Um, you know, Brian Robinson apparently had a really good game. And uh, or a really good scrimmage, yeah. but one name that kept popping up on all these different reports was Roydale Williams. I, I swear, yeah. I, I this is gonna, it's going to come out of left field for me if Roydale makes a move of, of any description in this running back room. Um, that's going to be really, really impressive to me because I did not see this coming. 
Well, I'm not. It's another one where I'm not surprised. I loved his tape. I even went to bat for that for that guy when when early rankings were out. I mean, the earliest rankings, you know, end of your sophomore year kind of thing. Early in your junior year, Roy Dell was like down in the five hundreds, and and I and and I was I was like, hey, uh, you know, Roy uh, Williams way underranked. I I, I think he's going to be like national top one hundred. I mean that good, and and ended up right about that. I mean he he did end up ranked right around that that hundred mark. I think by by the time you know the final rankings were done, when his career was complete. But I talked to someone that's very responsible for the recruiting rankings, and he told me that based on tape, they wanted to rank Roy Dell higher or even much higher, but they couldn't justify it because all of the running backs that they had ranked higher than Roy Dell. They had measurables on. All, all those guys had gone to national-type camps, and they had numbers on them in terms of height, speed, and weight. Roy Dell never went to any of those camps, and uh, and they didn't have measurables on him. And they're like, man, on tape, he looks big and fast as these guys, but but we know how big and fast they are. And and uh, and he said that's why Roy Dell had a you know a slow rise up the rankings and then kind of hit a ceiling. But I, I just felt on tape, period that he was a national elite player all along. And, uh, and I think that that's proving right. I, I think Roy Dell's going to be a really good player. Now, how much are we going to see him this year? Probably not very much, assuming Najee, Brian Robinson, and Trey Sanders all stay healthy. I mean, it's going to be hard for a fourth running back to get significant touches uh, w- with Najee, Brian, and, and Trey ahead of him. But Najee and Brian are seniors. So Roy Dell just to use, you know, one name among the freshman group, Roy Dell could go from very little used this year to being kind of like the man next year. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. And, you know, but I think if, if you had asked most Alabama fans, okay, who's the running back that's a freshman that's going to make the move the quickest, everybody would have said Jason McClellan, who apparently had a decent practice too, don't get me wrong. But um, I just found that interesting. Um, and I'm like you, I'm a Roy Dell Williams fan. Uh, it's, it's just – it shocked me a little bit to see uh, that he was doing uh, so incredibly well in this particular scrimmage. And again, we've talked about it. Uh, Will Anderson apparently is, is just a thing. I mean, he's, he's fast. He's, he's as advertised. Um, He's going to be a lot of fun. Meanwhile, before we go into the next segment and talk about this Tim Keenan commitment, I want to just throw this in there. What an interesting development here Sunday morning. Jamar Chase has indeed decided to opt out for LSU this particular year. And, you know, Jamar Chase, I don't think he's Julio Jones or anything, but I think he's an incredible talent. And it's kind of rare that like a single wide receiver missing from a team is going to mean that much. But, you know, if you had taken Amari Cooper off our team in 2014, it would have meant a shitload. And I think that if you take Jamar Chase off this LSU team, it's going to mean a shitload. I mean, it's this is a big-time blow for LSU. I think they go from something like a you know, probable 7-3-8-2 team to a more likely 5-5, five 6-4 and 5, six and four team. I, I don't think I'm talking out of my butt here, Jimmy. No, I don't think so either. It's, this is devastating, devastating for them. Uh, now, they still have some other receivers who are good players like Terrace Marshall, and they signed some freshmen that are good, and I think they like that. Racing McMath, who who is so awesome, he should have like his own cartoon character named after him, and have a Saturday morning cartoon. But I I, I think it's debilitating, devastating. This is just 
I agree. It, it It's so big, it will affect their one loss total. I mean, that's just the only way to describe it. It, 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 it's a, it will affect their one loss total. And uh, gosh, it's hard to be really good two years in a row. Nick Saban is the master, you know, at, 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 at pulling off the impossible like that. But I think LSU right now is discovering in their own way that, uh, man, everything going right two years in a row is hard. Well, and here's the other thing that you say, I, I agree. Terrence Marshall is a, he's a good player. Do not get me wrong, but you know, DeAndre White is a lot better wide receiver when Amari Cooper's on the team than if DeAndre White is the man. That's not a shot at DeAndre White. I mean, I don't think – I think even DeAndre White would say, yeah, Amari Cooper's a little better than me. He took some pressure off of me, so it allowed me to um, exploit my talents more. You know, and so if if Jamar Chase isn't there to, to take some pressure off Terrence Marshall, I think things get a lot more dicey. Yeah, Jamar Chase is, to me, the equivalent of Amari Cooper, Julio Jones. Uh, I, I think he's going to get drafted more like where they went in the draft as opposed to even Judy and Ruggs. I mean, Jamar is just the prototype NFL wide receiver. Losing LSU, losing him, it's just simply going to affect their wins and losses. Just like you said, they'll, they will they will win. You know, they're, they're not going to go from great to bad, but but they will lose a game or two they otherwise would have won because of the impact that Jamar Chase makes on the field. I'm right there with you. All right, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take our last break. When we come back, we'll talk Tim Keenan and some other stuff. Tim Keenan commits to Alabama yesterday, to no surprise to anybody, as if you've listened to this program. Um, it, it, it was a surprise. It would have been a surprise a couple of weeks ago, but uh, he does commit to Alabama. He is a humongous human being. Um, I think Ramsey was off this past weekend, if I remember right. I don't think they had a game or the game got canceled or whatever. A lot of games did. But um, I'm excited about this one. Yes, he probably feels like more of a project than some of the other guys we do have on our list. But, you know, I feel a lot better about taking Tim Keenan than I did when a few days ago it looked like Alabama was going to take Tim Keenan and um, the the – is it the Parker, William Parker, the offensive lineman out of Tennessee, who's also ranked a three-star. And when I thought that, I was like, man, that feels like we're taking two guys that are on our, you know, not necessarily backups, but not the the forefront guys either. And so when it looks now like William Parker is going to commit to Tennessee as the crystal ball uh, forecast have moved in favor of the volunteers, I feel better about taking Tim Keenan and then, Let's let's swing for the fences on somebody like Amarius Mims and just see where the rough end drags. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I you know Keenan being in state, he's a top ten prospect to me in state. He's a guy I would take every year. And Alabama's been from Birmingham, you know, going all the way back to Marcel Darius, then Quentin Williams, Deron Payne, uh, now DJ Dale is a starting, uh, you know, nose guard as a freshman. So uh, I, I think Tim Keenan ranks alongside those guys in terms of his upside. So I think Keenan is a good take myself uh, and, and further agree that with four offensive linemen already on the board, the only offensive lineman out there I would take if I was Alabama is Mims. Uh, I do think Parker is a good prospect and is likely to be a good player at Tennessee, but Alabama just Alabama just has bigger needs at other positions. Yeah, we do. And uh, I mean, look, we're going to need another wide receiver, probably need um, 
Uh, I, look, I'll take another defensive lineman. I, I, you can't give me enough of those cats after what's happened to us the last couple of years. There are not enough defensive linemen in, in Nick Saban's uh, – what do you call that thing? What's that thing you used to have that had uh, – your, you had all your contacts in it, not on your phone. What's that little thing? It's like Rolodex. Rolodex. Damn, that would have been a good joke. That would have been a damn good joke, but I can't remember things like Rolodex. Um, Nick probably does that. I bet Nick has a Rolodex. I bet he does. Oh, there's no question Nick Saban has a Rolodex. I, and I'm and I'm all about it. I mean, I, my dad still has a Rolodex. I mean, you know, but my dad would have really a little black either. book. Saban yeah, might even have a little right. black book with, with recruits' phone numbers in it. Dear Diary, today I saw Tim Keenan. He's a stud. Um, <laughs> that'd be kind of creepy. So That's um, exactly what it says. The meanwhile, uh, across the SEC, you know, obviously, um, some other teams have, have not held practice for you know various social injustice movements. Alabama's going to march tomorrow, which again. You know, I've, I've seen the reaction on Twitter where some people are, you know, all about this and some people are saying this may turn me off from college football. And I'm like, look, let's just let them march. As long as nothing violent happens, I don't understand why marching is a big deal. You know, Ole Miss did it the other day. They just walk around the town square sort of trying to bring awareness. I'm all about that. I mean, go for it. I mean, but it's the it's the other stuff that I think gets people a little upset, you know, the, the kneeling for the national anthem or whatever. And, and it's gotten so much kneeling with the national anthem that I thought this yesterday when I, I watched just a second of the NBA playoffs and they all were kneeling at the beginning of the national anthem. And I thought to myself, I said, self, at this point, it may be a bigger message if every one of the players actually stood for the anthem. If they, every one of them stood in unison and then after the game and, and everybody's surprised that they did that, they go, you know what? We, we had to get a message across. We feel like it's across. We hope it's across. We don't know it's across. We'll have to see if, what happens, but we feel like we did. So we wanted in a sign of solidarity to sort of bring this country together by doing this. And I would say that the NBA would get incredible uh, PR from that. I mean, I think everybody could, that is some, a movement everybody could get behind at this point. I know that's me having a pipe dream, but I thought that that would be kind of a cool thing. It just obviously didn't happen. That being said, uh, what I was really trying to get to was that Auburn has not practiced in either four or five days now because of COVID tests. And I want to tell you something, you can't, in, in these days and times, you can't go four or five days, almost a week, without practicing and not have this affect you. Oh yeah, there's there's no way that's good. that's good. But you know, this is the weird, the weird calendar where, literally, if we were starting fall camp and starting practice on time with with an on time season, then Friday two days ago would have been our first practice, and instead we've been out there over two weeks, and Auburn has as well. So I'm sure that's going to help, and, and that's kind of the design of everything this year anyway is kind of built in like, uh, you know, you're going to miss some days. You're going to miss times. You might even miss a game. Uh, so, so this is all sort of baked into it, but, uh, Oh, no doubt. It's a, a negative for Auburn, uh, to miss, to miss for a few days. And, uh, and, and, and hopefully, it w- you know, Alabama won't ever have to miss days. Um, obviously Alabama's got a few kids out now, uh, and, and we can expect the tome of the game last night. 
was affected by by COVID players being absent as Austin Peay's snapper was out with COVID. They had to go with a backup long snapper, and they were snapping the ball all over the field. I mean, it was horrid, but uh, but gosh, talk about a place on the team where you're not going to have a lot of depth. And uh, so COVID and an absence from the lineup uh, hugely affected the outcome of the very first game. All right, buddy, that'll do it for this podcast. want to appreciate everybody for tuning in. want to thank Built Bar and Rock Auto for being sponsors. And uh, we'll be back with another podcast on Tuesday. And, uh, Jimmy, I hope then we're going to try and go to five days a week starting this week and see how that goes. But um, maybe on Tuesday we'll talk a little bit about some of the, the previous week's high school action. Actually got to see Jay Sultan, who we were drooling over there for a minute. He got hurt in this game, uh, didn't have his best game, and he did not look as quick on his feet as I was hoping he would. Of course, the, uh, the conditions weren't great either. But anyway, we'll talk a lot about all kind of prospects and how they performed in the AHSA games. And roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.